Dave, mm. uh, you know, it's not often that we get a uh, an, an author on the show. Uh, I have a lot of respect for authors. I don't know if I've ever mentioned I'm also an author. Yeah. Has this ever come up in our conversations? <laughs> My God. Um, you know, I've written several books Rick, myself. I, I, you have a bobblehead of every character that you've ever... <laughs> uh, how much have you spent? You spent like, what, $12,000? I don't remember. This one, yeah, he had one line on page 62 of Severance. See, well, look at I, the... I don't know that if you've noticed I've got posters on the wall <laughs> yeah, here in every the office file, of all the books that I've written. Right. Uh, but I don't think I've ever written one as good as this one uh, that we're going to be talking to today. Uh, Will Wagner is the author. He wrote a book called Talk About My Generation, mm-hmm. yeah. and I know that you love it. It is an absolute fantastic book, and it follows, and it's fictionalized, but it follows what happened to Pete Townsend's guitar after he threw it into the audience at Woodstock. Right. right. Um, it's There's so much great stuff about it. Not only is it the, the character that he paints of Pete, but there's Chicago references in it, wonderful. Well, and it's tell it's them just, everything. We've got yeah. to fill a whole interview here. All right. All right, because who are you to tell me what to do? <laughs> I'm an author. <laughs> damn it! Right. You better. You better. Or you better. You bet. Stop that. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen. Minutia Man Celebrity Interview is up now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. So, Dave, uh, I should tell you who we have on the line here. This is. William J. Wagner. William Wagner, where have I heard that? Uh, he's an award-winning writer and editor. Okay. He's been at it for 30-plus years, mostly in Chicago. He's written uh, for everything from Sports Illustrated, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and he also wrote a book about a little team on the north side of Chicago called the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. That's called Wrigley Blues, which is a great book. And in his spare time, uh, Wagner likes to play guitar. He has a Gibson SG. And not surprisingly, that guitar is the main character in his latest novel. This is why we're talking to him today. The book is fantastic. It's called Talking About My Generation. And, and Will, if you ask me, the genius of the book is the premise, which is the journey taken by Pete Townsend's guitar after he tossed it into the crowd at Woodstock. So talk to us a little bit about that eureka moment you had when you realized that that was a good premise for for the book, tell tell us about your journey on that. Well, it definitely your amazing uh, journey. Yeah. Do you see what I just said? Did that? <laughs> By the way, I'm going to alert to the uh, the fans out there. That There's going to be a lot of who puns coming Dave, up in the deck. Dave and Will I, are are who pun maniacs, <laughs> and they're going to be swapping back and forth the entire interview. Just warn. I'm sorry, yeah, I can't yeah, hear I know you, Dave. Dave I can't see or hear you. Of the who pun. <laughs> William, can but, you hear him? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's definitely a unique premise in, in that it's kind of a guitar is the, is the protagonist. And uh, I just remember back in high school seeing the movie uh, Woodstock. Perhaps I, it wasn't, uh, you know, my mind might have been a little cloudy for, for various well, reasons, but I was always... Well, it's struck. legal now, my friend, so you, you feel free to talk. <laughs> But I was I was struck by the image of um, um, Townshend throwing his guitar into the audience at the end of the Who's set, and it always just kind of bounced around my brain. And eventually, I was like, "Boy, this this would make a good book." If because because Woodstock was kind of like the peak of 
uh, that naive type of idealism in the 60s that ultimately kind of got crushed. But I'm like, what What if that guitar represented that hope and it passed through all these hands over a course of decades and the guitar gets kind of beaten up as as do the the people it comes in contact with and uh um but it ultimately survives hope survives so it's kind of an an optimistic novel but i just thought it would be interesting to have that that thread of of this iconic guitar running running all the way through the book do you actually have any idea what happened to the real guitar well, that's not nearly uh, as interesting a story. Um, uh, from what I understand, it was actually retrieved um, by a roadie, um, uh, as, as I understand it. So if it had been a nonfiction book, it would have been about a page and a half. Well, we would, we would have saved a lot of printing costs, <laughs> yeah, Will. Really. You know how expensive yeah. paper is, Will? That would have been great. <laughs> Still charge 20 bucks. Here's seven pages, and that's it, my friend. <laughs> Uh, they um, yeah let, let's stick to the fictionalized story because yeah. it's much cooler. I was just curious you know I, I read the book I love the book um, my wife is reading it right now she's mm-hmm. about three quarters of the way and, and you know as she reads it in bed before she goes to sleep and she'll look over to me and go this is really good yeah, yeah. and it is it's a it's, yeah. a, great, oh, good. it's a great book hopefully she doesn't fall asleep within five minutes of her nighttime reading so that's a that's a good sign you know, obviously, you're a huge rock and roll fan, you know, and that certainly comes clear through this book. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, and this might be a kind of an open ended esoteric question, but, you know, what does rock music mean to you in a sense? And how did that, you know, translate into the various elements of the story? And you've touched on it already. It's hope, right? It's, you know, a journey yeah. and all of that. But uh, expand, expand upon that a little bit. Yeah. It's it's hope, it's time, uh, it's memories. I mean, these bands we love, uh, they're more than just bands. It's more than just music. They're they're sources for for memories that uh, last a lifetime. In fact, yesterday, December eighth, uh, was the anniversary of the first time I ever saw the the uh who uh oh. 1979 at the Chicago Amphitheater, and uh, wow. Um, wow, that, 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 I didn't know that, that exactly was on, one year later was the day that John Lennon was shot. Yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? That's it's a quite a date. But you know, the Who was became my favorite group that night. It was just such an awesome show, and to this day, my my friends and I reminisce about that show. The friends I saw it with, and and that's just kind of what music is. It creates memories. It brings you back to a time and a place. And, and there's nothing, nothing that really does that quite like music. It just really feeds on your, your emotions. And I tried to tap into that a little bit, uh, in the book. Was that the show that was simulcasted? So exactly. All the movie theaters, like the Granada and the oh yeah, and the, I think the, yeah. the Loop. At, well, Mitch Michaels, I right, think, right, yeah, right, 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 who also published yeah. a book uh, with uh, Eckhart's Press. Um, yeah, Mitch. Mitch tells that story in his book, Doing the Cruise. Actually, yeah, it was like five days after the Cincinnati uh, yeah. uh, trampling, so they almost canceled the concert. But it was just this strange kind of vibe to that show but just because of what it was coming off of the 
but it it uh i don't know they really came to play that night and in in subsequent um in subsequent just reading about the who uh, i guess those who follow such things regard that is one of the, the the best two shows ever, including from the Keith Moon years. So you could just tell it was something special. I remember <clears throat> they opened up with uh, Substitute, mm-hmm. and I remember Daltrey uh, twirling his mic, kind of losing control a little bit, bouncing off the amplifier, bouncing back, and then catching it. I was like, holy crap, mm-hmm. these guys are like the best I've never seen anything like this. From that moment on, they were they were my they were, favorite. They were your guys. They were yeah. your blokes. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, I love that Pete Townsend himself, uh, well, a fictionalized version, uh, but a totally believable version of him, is one of the main characters in in your book. And you know, like you said, you were just a fan. Uh, you didn't obviously you didn't know Pete Townsend. You haven't met him, uh, but you must have done quite a bit of research about Pete to get that personality down because it really yeah, comes across yeah. like you've gotten the nitty-gritty of pete's prickly yeah, personality yeah yeah ton of research just uh kind of in uh, you know trying to pick up on his dialogue the way the way he speaks and kind of he's kind of a grumpy guy kind of is capturing his personality and luckily he is uh, one of the most talkative guys in rock. So there were a lot of interviews to go back and look at and a lot of a lot of information. And I, I guess I wouldn't call myself a, a fanboy of Pete Townshend, but I've, I've always found him to be a fascinating, articulate character. And uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the book, shoeless joe which the movie uh yes um, uh, field of dreams was based on but in the book version shoeless joe the uh the writer character is actually uh jd salinger mm. and that kind of inspired my my fictionalization of of pete townshend just kind of taking this this iconic character and and just turning him uh uh, into a, a bit of a fictional person, but who's also kind of true to to the real person. And uh, you know, I felt like I I, I felt like my uh, Pete chapters were some of the stronger chapters oh, yeah. of the oh, book. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Pete actually has a copy of the book, and um, I look in the mail every day for some horrible lawsuit yeah, that is going to come our way. We're just Thank waiting. you for that, by yeah. the way. Uh, so, well, we've discussed it. That would be the best oh, possible it, it, thing it would that be. could happen to the book, either a lawsuit or if he proclaims right. that it's just a steaming pile of crap. <laughs> right. that, uh, That's good, too. And he wouldn't yeah. recommend anybody should read it. So, uh, <laughs> so he has a book. Um, I. Well, you know, I know it's maybe a long shot that he ever contemplated, but can you imagine how awesome that would be if you get a, because you know the his personal assistant, right? Tell the story yeah, about how I he's have, got the book. and uh, I have a, a pretty good, pretty good, I've built up a, actually a pretty good rapport for her. She's a wonderfully nice woman, and I guess you'd have to be if you were uh, Pete's personal assistant. I can't imagine he'd be the easiest guy in the world. Um to work for but she's very nice and uh you know i don't know back in october i i i happened to have her email address so i emailed her and said hey I, you know publish this this book it's getting some pretty good word of mouth uh 
um, you know, thought you might be interested in learning about it. And, you know, we exchanged some emails and I mentioned, uh, that I was going to be at, uh, the who's show in, in Las Vegas. And she just said, Hey, do you want a couple VIP passes to the hospitality wow. suite? Wow. I'm like, sure. Yeah. And, uh, so then when I got back from, she was, didn't happen to be in Vegas at, for that, those shows, she was back in the UK. But when I got back, I emailed her, thanked her, said, I wanted to send her a few books. So I, I did. And, uh, uh, she emailed me when she got him and said, uh, you know, Pete was out of town this week, but she'd get him his copy the next week. So he's probably on so presumably has boats. it. And I would be, I would, you know, who who knows what'll happen. Uh, but I would, no matter who you are, I think I'd be curious to read a a book like. Yeah. like that oh yeah you know? right yeah um yeah, yeah. Wait, wait till you read our will wagner book that we got coming up because uh, <laughs> you're gonna love, you're right. gonna love the portrayal of you right I, I think so. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the thing about this this book is uh for me i i, I thought you really captured the whole woodstock scene right, the mud right. and the, if this yeah. book came out the anniversary uh week of the original woodstock and uh a bunch of the first chapters take place there at Woodstock and I when I first you sent me the manuscript when I first read the manuscript I thought oh my god this guy was there right. he, yeah. he must have been there at Woodstock because it was so real it really came to life but and then, then I, Rick did the math well right <laughs> and then I know you're younger than <laughs> us I'm like wait a minute that's not possible because we were six <laughs> so yeah what did you what did you learn about Woodstock and how did you I mean you said you watched the movie earlier but uh, obviously you've got you've got the vibe of Woodstock down how did you do yeah. that well you uh, first of all uh, you mentioned that to me at one point that you actually thought I was there and that was I think the the greatest compliment mm-hmm. I, I could have gotten on the book that told me wow I actually uh, succeeded in creating that scene because yeah, obviously I was five years old when Woodstock took place. So I was, I was not there, but just a, again, a lot of research and there's a lot of, a lot of information out there. A lot of people offering up their personal accounts and, uh, you know, just looking at maps to see what the layout was like. And, and, uh, so just, ton of ton of research and but and i you know like i remember reading about uh how how some people you know ventured through you know because the the roads were all clogged up so people would abandon their cars and just walk there and you know i remember reading a personal account of of somebody who just walked through a cornfield and i was like wow that's kind of cool so that played in prominently in my in my book and and then that that kind of stuff just reading people's personal accounts and just i've always been a fan of that that era of of music and actually that era of history as well so that i i kind of felt like i was just naturally in tune with the the vibe of the time and i was able to transfer that to woodstock you know we uh, interviewed ezra mohawk i don't know if you remember ezra mohawk if you if you uh listen to any of the old schoolhouse rock yeah. She's like conjunction function anyways yeah. so she yeah. was she was a big i mean she was a very notable musician at the time and she was due to play woodstock 
and they got and her manager was driving and they took like a left turn when they should have taken a right turn <laughs> and they got into some crazy nine mile you know traffic jam. Tra- traffic jam and she missed her set she didn't perform and she when we had her on she's like yeah left turn pretty much you know yeah ruined my career you know yeah. and uh but she described like you said just the filth and the mud and the rain and the you know the the traffic and the tires screech you know it's stuck cars yeah. and the whole deal yeah yeah it was really more than anything i think just in an an endurance contest you look at some of the photos of people at Woodstock and, and a lot of them they don't look very happy no, no, but they had no. like no food no bathrooms they were getting rained on for 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 three days you know, or whatever three days yeah. so it was like a survival contest but I think it was like one of those things when you look back on it, it you'd be like wow I was really part of history oh, yeah. think of just the bands that were there and, and, and you know it was really one of the most iconic moments in rock and roll so anybody who is a part of it and pete hated the who the who hated being there pete really hated being at woodstock didn't he yeah he had no interest in going they all like i remember reading uh contempt contemporaneous interviews with them around uh you know around the period after woodstock and and they you know before it really mushroomed into like this this mythical type of thing and they just just talked about you know just they did not enjoy playing there it it was you know hard to get in and out as you just alluded to the the sound system was bad the 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 acoustics your the weather was horrible but and the brown acid stay away from the brown acid i think i think john in inadvertently got some of so but you know, I think they're glad they played there now because it's, oh, it's that was the kind of event that that made bands' careers. I mean, think of Santana. Nobody yeah. really knew who Santana was before Woodstock, and then that kind of made Carlos Santana's career. Yeah. Well, it made Daltrey certainly a huge star. I mean, they, and I think oh, Crosby, yeah. Stills, and Nash. Right. I think that was one of their first shows together playing at right. Woodstock. Can you believe that? Yeah. What a way to kick off your career. Yeah, right. right. We're playing the Des Moines State Fair tomorrow. We just played Woodstock, right? Yeah. So Chicago plays a role in the book and an important role. Um, why? Not the band. No, not the band. Yeah. Uh, why did you, you know, tell us about that process. Why did you make that choice? And for those of us... Um, here in the area or even people that have visited Chicago, you know, what are some of the Chicago land areas that show up in the book? Why'd you choose those venues? And, um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, they always say you should write about, uh, you know, write about what you, what, know, you right? what you know, and, and being a native Chicago. And, uh, uh, I know Chicago and it's also just a great, that's uh, a great authentic city. So I kind of felt like that was a good, good place for, uh, uh, the guitar to be stashed for a number of years. And, uh, uh, so a lot of Chicago places show up in there, the old Chicago amphitheater on the South side, where I was telling you, I, I first saw the who, um, Wrigley field. You can't write anything about Chicago, or at least I couldn't, uh, without, uh, mentioning Wrigley field. I don't think there's any novel I'd ever write. I, 
right that would not have Wrigley Field in it. Me too. And, Me too. Yeah, well, um, and I'm a White Sox fan, but none of us can read. So that's why. <laughs> you know, I just put out my latest novel, uh, which takes place in West Germany. Um, yeah. And, and, and Wrigley Field is still in it. Yeah. So, exactly. You know, that's that's what I'm saying. Those yeah. of us who grew up suffering with the Cubs, Wrigley yeah. Field is, is embedded in our heads. And then uh, that really horrible, there's a really horrible outdoor concert venue in Kinley Park, Illinois. Oh, I hate uh, that place. Yeah. It, worst outdoor venue ever sorry if anybody's listening to that or, or owns the owns world it's a hollywood casino yeah. amphitheater or yeah but, uh, so that was in there uh some of the more well-known restaurants uh are in there uh so all these little spots around chicago and all these little nods to to chicago and, and even though it's about a woodstock guitar it it is very much a Chicago book and in some ways a, a love letter to Chicago. I, I love Chicago. So, Well, we recently saw you uh, the night of the Who concert in Chicago yeah, at the United Center. And I was just wondering if you've been banned from attending concerts there uh, forever after Dave passed out twenty thousand postcards about your book. <laughs> yeah. We went to a Bulls game, or we were at the, we were at a book signing at the United Center on Wednesday for Chuck Swirsky's book. I saw like seventy five of them on the floor, yeah, so I they mean, haven't even cleaned them up. Yet. I mean, they they must be like all the people that work there. Like, if I ever see that Will Wagner, I'm gonna tear that corner apart. Right. Yeah, I, I, I that night I was passing out some stuff too, and I or some of those uh, hoopons we they're, they're hoopons, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, I remember I, I it's I, a bargain. It is a bargain, and the best yeah, you ever right. had. And use coupon code five fifteen for getting some money. It's like three go. bucks yeah. off. That was a, a a beautiful, beautiful hoopon made by Dave. He he managed to cram like eleven coupons into that thing he you know i'll tell you the truth will uh you know we've done now 80 some books i don't think there's been a book that we've done that dave is more excited oh my god than your book i mean well that's good he is he is the president of the will wagner fan club and the two of you guys can just go off somewhere at a bar and just talk all night yeah um, um, because that's how much uh, he loves your. Hold on, I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think of a pun. Uh, itty bitty, <laughs> well, we big and bouncy. That, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I got. It uh, could be very far away from me, but I can see for miles. <laughs> okay, so there's no uh, substitute for. Yeah. Well, the couple times Dave stopped by my place, a couple times uh, to drop off books, and he I was and carry him up your flipping I, stairs I live on a third. Floor yeah, walk we need up. to do something about that. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, the third floor thing is not. I'm not digging that. Another tricky day, right? But he always means to stop by for five minutes, and we wind up uh, chatting on my apartment stoop for like an hour yeah, or so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so tell everybody where they can get this book, because it's a perfect present for uh, the rock and roll fan in your family. Uh, it's an excellent uh, Christmas gift. Yeah, if you know any hooligans. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, for the who, for the reading or music or who fan in your family. Or, you know, as friend. you mentioned, it's also a great Chicago book. So if you live in Chicago. Exactly. Well, uh, from the Eckhart's uh, uh, website uh, is, is the best place to go. And we have a special URL for that just to make it easy to find. So if you go to www.woodstockspecial.com, dot com 
you can order up uh, one, two, three, fifteen copies, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> well, it was and a pass 19... them around as Christmas presents. Fits in the stock. I'm a writer. I need the money, uh, man. Woodstock is 1969, <laughs> right? Yeah. What's that? Woodstock was in 1969. Right? You got it exactly. 69 copies would be perfect. That would be college. perfect. There you that go. That would make my Christmas. <laughs> and the book is called Talking About My Generation. It. This is the author that we're uh, talking with today, Will Wagner, who uh, uh, we've hit it off with. Uh, we're, we're pals already, and we're we're proud to have uh, have produced this book for you. So what's your next book? Well, I really enjoy, um, I've enjoyed working with you guys. You, you think the same way I do, uh, both great guys and, uh, in, in life, that's, uh, that's, that's what's important. So uh, I've enjoyed the experience immensely. Uh, Next book is another rock and roll book. I'll tell you guys about it someday. It's Keith Moon's drumstick. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a, like a series of these things. It'll work out perfectly. (laughs) The person that got hit with Roger Daltrey's microphone when he threw it in the crowd. Yeah, somebody whose skull got cracked by Roger Daltrey's. Uh, well, thanks about for being their on journey through the medical system. Yeah, right, right, right. It's a it's a book about the healthcare system lost hope. Actually, is what it's called. Uh, well, th- thanks for being on the show, right, buddy. Will. And, uh, and ha- if we don't see you, have a happy holiday. Yeah, buddy. You guys, too. I had a great time being on, and uh, you have a good Christmas, too. All right. Take it well, easy. Tommy doesn't know All what right. day it is, by the way. Or holiday or whatever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Take it easy, yeah, Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can tell what a nice guy he is. Right. And right. and. He's if I had he's a, like a dream author for us. Well, he's a dream way. friend of mine. You are you're you've been bounced to like number thirteen on the That's list fine. after that. That's uh, fine. Now he's a and there's no substitute for oh, this book. Oh, I like that for your who friend. Oh, very uh, good. It's a good. Well, special thanks to our executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O p p i h shows.com. Uh, distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com and we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of Manushman Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of Opi Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts including opishows.com Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opi Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. This past weekend was my 28th anniversary, and Bridget and I make a point of going somewhere every year for mm-hmm. our anniversary, uh, just because, you know, we love to travel and we love to eat and drink, mm-hmm. and, and we love being away from the kids. Right. And this weekend, we And went- you love being with each other. Yes. Didn't I say that already? I thought that was the first thing. I, I thought that was the first thing I said. Oh, you meant, but that's fine. You're a busy guy. Busy guy. Um, yikes. Tony Lasano Podcast and Opie Production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. RadioMisfits.com.